Hi, I'm Kevin Broccoli. And I'm Brett Davey, and this is Every Damn Day. Where we each spend five minutes tackling a topic from the previous week and discuss whether there is hope for the human race. Sunday. So this was the 25th anniversary of the Newsweek cover on bisexuality, and on our Facebook page, I'll share the image from that Newsweek cover. And the Newsweek cover was uh, about bisexuality and a couple of things. One, I read the article, and you know it's 25 years old now. And part of the article, uh, one of the one of the sentences early on, it said bisexuality is the hidden wild card of our erotic culture. Now I write for a living, and Kevin does a lot of writing. And Kevin, I don't know if you could have managed a sentence like that, <laughs> the hidden wild card of our erotic culture. So we can return to that in a second, but. The cover is really something. I want to talk about the cover. So there are three people on the front. There's a lady on the left who's kind of like a David Bowie-looking lady with her hand over her abdomen. And then there's two guys. One has like a crazy thick goatee. And the guy in the back is the one that fascinates me because he looks like a cross between uh, Matthew McConaughey and one of the Columbine killers. <laughs> He's got this unbelievable look. But I don't, it, I don't know if you could... Kevin, can you describe just like the look? He actually looks like people? a human scarecrow. Well, none of them look happy to be bisexual, um, which seems to defeat the purpose. Um, the girl kind of looks like Shiv from Succession, if any of you watch Succession. But the point is, all of their faces, they have dead eyes. It's very Children of the Corn. Um, it's very sinister, I would say. Um, it definitely would scare me away from any bisexuals and probably a few homosexuals too, if I'm being honest. Um, it just, it looks absolutely terrifying. They look like they're going to show up uh, in your window on a summer night and like steal you away into the cornfield. Here's the thing I don't get though on the cover. So it's, it's only 25 years old. It says bisexuality, not gay, not straight. So this would have been 1995. 1995. Yeah. Uh, a new sexual identity emerges so i just i'm trying to get my arms around it which is wild because weren't the 70s like super bisexual i think well i mean i'm sure there's been bisexuality forever oh yeah well there's been everything forever but but i'm just curious how it came out that a new sexual identity was emerging see this is very strange because when i was in high school i remember i was in high school from 1999 to 2002 and I remember it it being very cool to be bisexual in high school. Like, I knew a lot of straight guys who were pretending to be bi to impress girls. Um, and then I would be like, cool, let's make out. And they were like, no, I'm not into you. I only like, you know, um, I forget who was. Like, Justin Timberlake was always the cop-out. Um, so, like, I, I, I remember that being a thing. But I'm surprised that, like, so 95 was when it emerged, apparently, is when it came out of the, they came out of the closet. So when did when so when did that first you know you'd see that a lot like when you were in college like girls would kiss and they'd be like oh, bye maybe yeah that was like the it was this weird it was this weird thing that could like get you out of where you would be just cool enough to like be considered like kind of wild or out there but not get the shit beaten out of you by homophobes like it was a you could really walk the line. I will say, like, the people that they've chosen, none of these people look like they have ever had sex before in their lives. Like, if you can picture the three most virginal human beings you've ever met, like, that back guy in the middle, I, if I were a woman, I would call the cops on him. And if I were a man, I, I don't know, he, he looks like someone who would, like, like, pick, like, a hitchhiker you would pick up in Oklahoma. Like, it's just, it's very scary. I do see the three of them getting a fourth bisexual. They just don't look. But bring the fourth bisexual into the mix. And then the two guys would kill that 
The call bisexual. the fourth kill the fourth one and she's and like she's got the secret. She looks like a Wiccan. She looks like she should be in like Death Becomes Her coming out of the pool, like offering them eternal yeah. life if they agree to be bisexual with her. Monday. Monday. Alright, so for Monday, I wanted to talk about last week's Emmy nominations. I am a huge uh, TV fan. And uh, it was an interesting batch of nominations this year. There were definitely some things that made me very happy. Succession finally got a lot of love, um, which is kind of bittersweet because it's a show about rich white people, but uh, nevertheless, excellent. One of the best shows on TV. The Good Place finally getting some uh, some nominations. Shit's Creek. But then you also kind of saw a lot of still a lot of trouble kind of diversifying in the ways that you wish they would. Um, the show Pose that's on FX didn't really get a lot of nominations for some of its trans performers. Um, they kind of still are clinging to the idea that Westworld is a show worth watching. Morning Show, probably one of the worst shows on television, got just an insane amount of nominations. Uh, and we're once again grappling with this whole what is a comedy and what is a drama. Uh, the train of thought before was that a half hour was a comedy and an hour was a drama. Then Marvelous Mrs. Maisel came out. All the old people lost their minds. They wanted to shower with awards. It's an hour-long comedy, so they let it be in the comedy category. Um, and the Kaminsky Method, which no one I know watches, uh, also seems to do well. Uh, so, Brett, I wanted to ask you, what, what television do you like? You don't strike me as too much of a TV person, but what, really, what do you watch? I really don't watch a lot. It's terrible. Like, when I'm ironing, I watch old episodes of Moonlighting. Oh, my uh, God. While I iron. It's Bruce and Sybil. Yeah, Why haven't like. they rebooted Moonlighting? Of all the shows that they should they get back, like, Moonlighting seems perfect for, like, a reimagining. It is so good. I just absolutely love it. It holds up pretty well. So, I haven't, I don't really watch any of those shows on well, Sybil Shepard was not nominated this year, I hate to tell you. <laughs> so I want to ask you a question, though, because you mentioned it, and I've, I've heard you talk about it before. Yeah. What's your thought on actors who are not gay or not trans playing uh, roles? I'm, I've gotten very uh, aggressively against that. Um, I don't understand uh, why um, we have come to a place in our society where you can criticize people for playing... Um, and uh, a race or ethnic background that they shouldn't or like a, a, a nationality. I think that's completely appropriate. We should be doing that. And yet somehow even super progressive people are like, a straight guy can play a gay guy. What's the problem with that? Like, I just find it so infuriating. And I've, I've, I, I act as well and I've lost roles. I've lost gay roles. I've not only lost them to straight actors, but I've lost them to straight actors where I was told that I was too gay to play the gay role. And so they went with someone straight because they wanted like a straighter presentation of that part. Is there an accepted performance by a straight actor playing gay that everyone just says, that is the worst thing I've ever seen? Oh my God. I mean, uh, yeah, so like... I mean, the problem is not, it, it's usually because for a long time, the way you played gay was to like, you were, you were brave enough to be flamboyant. Um, and so like, I'm one of the weird people who don't particularly like Will and Grace that much because I look at Eric McCormick and I am like, you are not gay. Like, like, I don't know who you're supposed to be. Like, he could be gay in real life, actually. He come he, like, I'm actually kind of shocked that he's not. But that character, I'm like, I don't know who you are. I've never met a gay man like you. I mean, he's just the most neutered gay man I've ever seen in my life. 
And so it's it's strange watching that show. And I, I alternatively don't know that many guys like Jack. I kind of know people who are in the middle. So watching that is just very bizarre. It's like watching cartoons. It's like Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny running around. But in the last 25 years, so what are the, some of the more memorable straight guys playing gay roles? Even if they mm-hmm. so Tom Hanks. Uh, Jared Leto. In, um, you met, we talked about uh, Matthew McConaughey, your love of Matthew McConaughey. Um, Jared Leto did really well in... Uh, uh, Dallas Fires Club won an award, which is like a constant thing, giving straight people awards for playing gay people. So like Jared Leto, um, yeah, Brokeback Mountain. Um, I truthfully didn't care that either one. That was one of the few instances where I was like, no, I am very happy they're both straight <laughs> because that is making this so much more enjoyable. That being said, not to get graphic, but the love scene in Brokeback Mountain, I vividly remember every gay person I know being like, no, like that's not. Hopefully even you straight people kind of knew that that would not that would not work the way that like they framed that so, so who else oh, so so the guys in broke back tuesday. tuesday all right tuesday was the day that your favorite president uh did something really strange which i know is a daily occurrence but he wished and i'm not going to be able to pronounce her first name gisling gillian it's like it's jillian Pen- you know what she's Maxwell. a pedophile enabler so whatever well, first, we'll just call her jill i want to say one of my most hated people on the planet tucker Oh, yeah. Called her Jizzling. <laughs> like, literally, it was like a bad porno yeah. movie. Like, he said Jizzling. Like, you know, so. Well, that has to be her name now. <laughs> Jizzling Maxwell. I don't remember. But, but uh, so, so Trump, uh, at a press conference or just some kind of press availability at the White House, said that he hadn't been following it that much and that he wished her well, frankly, that he'd met her numerous times over the years, especially when he was living in Palm Beach, and that he guessed that they lived in so uh, the question is, uh, one, what the hell was he doing? And two, it reminded me a few years ago, if you remember, Putin got reelected and Trump had these like cartoonish talking points in front of him. And one was like a big bullet point that said, do not congratulate <laughs> in big letters and immediately congratulated him. So I felt like I felt like there should have been like, do not congratulate and do not wish well to the pedophile enabler lady. So I don't know exactly what was going on there. Well, we always have said that, like, oh, Putin has something on Trump. It's all blackmail. And I think what we've underestimated is way more than Putin have blackmail on Trump. I think our only hope for the future is that two people who don't like each other both have blackmail on him. Because it's the only way he's ever going to be outed for any of this stuff is if he lets down one of the people that he is owed something to. I just can't. A guy like that with no morals and the, the circles that he traveled in in the 70s, 80s, Oh, absolutely. There's yeah, video yeah, of him. There's yeah, video yes. of him, like, I mean, you know, he's he's the person who literally can, like, look at a red pen and be like, this is black, you know? he's And so, like, there's a video of him at this party being very chummy and being like, well, I really don't know. I, I don't I don't really know. So I do want to ask a question as it relates to that, Ben. So there, you know, there is the whole, like, QAnon conspiracy theory mm-hmm. about this, you know, cabal of, of liberal pedophiles. Pizzagate and all Pizzagate that, yeah. Pizzagate and stuff like that. So just quickly, I want to go through some conspiracy theories and just see All see right. whether you believe them or not. So that one, QAnon, Pizzagate. Uh, do I think that there is a like a human sex trafficking in the bottom of pizza restaurant? No. Because obviously you would do that in a Chipotle. So no, I don't believe that one bit. All right. Do you believe that 9-11 was an inside job? No. Do you, all right, so are there any conspiracies that you embrace? Uh, JF, I know we've talked about JFK. I'm a little weary. I do not think it's cu- the JFK thing's cut and dry. Um, I don't have a preferred theory about the JFK thing, but I don't necessarily believe the JFK thing necessarily 
Um, I do believe in, like, I was just talking with a friend, I believe in alien abduction. Like, I believe that's a thing. So if you would consider, like, you know, Area 51, like, a cover-up or whatever. Um, But in terms of, like, other, like, bigger conspiracies, I mean, I absolutely think rich people are screwing us over 24-7. And so, like, if that can be called a conspiracy, then, like, like, I don't even think of that as a conspiracy. I just think that's common sense. Yeah, I just think all the stuff that Trump points at, like, a rigged system, it is rigged for, like, super rich people. So, like, and my pet peeve, like, people like Tucker Carlson, who was born into a shitload of money because his family owned, like, frozen fish sticks. Yeah. (laughs) Or Betsy DeVos, who came from a ton of money. And, And their only mission in life is, like, to make life shittier for, like, people that are struggling. And I can't imagine, like, if you had all that money, that that would be your life goal was just to make life more difficult for people who are struggling. Well, but you have to remember the key thing there is that they all were born. Like, I saw something similar about Jeff Bezos, and I can kind of understand being frustrated, which I don't know Jeff Bezos' exact scenario, but if I, like, I, I don't feel like I've ever heard that he came from money. And so I think in cases like that, like, you look at Bill Gates, who did not come from money, and he is very generous. And so I think that's the key thing. I think if you're born into money, then it's very different than not having had any money and then getting money because that means that you can appreciate money and you have lived without a certain amount so you know you can live without it again. If you've been born a millionaire, it might be hard for you to ever, I'm not defending these assholes by the way, but it might be hard for you to ever sort of wrap your mind around not needing millions of dollars. I just get like Bezos like has all that money and you're like, and he can't give health insurance to his employees. Like, yeah. it just drives but me how much of it, my question is, how much of it is him and how much of it is, you know, there's still, don't forget, like, and this is me just saying, don't take the easy way out and put the blame on one person. He still has a board, you know, he has all these people who would also have to sign off on that and who could also champion it and say, like, no, we need to make this happen, who are not doing that. Uh, also, yeah, fuck that He's guy. still fuck oh, him. Fuck He's him an asshole. Also. No, clearly fuck all of them, but. Um, so, yes, yeah, so anyway, we're wrapping up. Uh, we've, we've hit our five minutes. Uh... So please like and comment wherever you get podcasts, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. See, you don't need to do that at the end. Wednesday. Uh, So for today, I wanted to talk about the very scary instance of federal agents in unmarked vehicles kidnapping people off the streets of Portland. Although, uh, what became really big last week or went kind of viral was this video in New York of a protester who was just riding a skateboard, getting kidnapped broad daylight off the streets of New York into an unmarked car. Tons and tons of video. The uh, New York Police Department came out with, uh, I guess you could say a statement, it really was just a tweet, saying that this person had been caught vandalizing police cameras, and so they felt, uh, of course, that wasn't on camera at all. Nobody was witness to that. I'm assuming they're talking about something that person did previously, uh, if it's even true. Uh, And so they felt the appropriate response was to drag this person into an unmarked van, speed off with the van, uh, threaten all the other protesters who were watching. And uh, as many people have pointed out, this is pretty much authoritarian government 101. Uh, very scary to see, especially as the president is threatening to send these thugs pretty much into other cities. Uh, so uh, what do you think of all that happy stuff? Brad? I just think that people, it's always the people that say like they'll do anything to defend this country and they want liberty. But when it happens, they just don't care. Like I remember I was looking this up. So in 2015, there was going to be a military exercise in Texas called Jade Helm. And if you look, all the crazies, you know, the Alex Jones of the world, basically said that this was Obama, that he was going to be pushing the military out into the streets of America to terrorize people, you know, average American. 
So now this is happening. So they all got up in arms about that crazy-ass conspiracy. <laughs> and now it's actually happening, and it's just like a shoulder shrug. And I think it's people, if it's not your group, then you're like, yeah, whatever, they deserve it. Well, and they've signaled very clearly that they're only going to do this in cities that are run by liberals and, and states that ha have liberal government. You know, like uh, when William Barr was uh, questioned before Congress yesterday uh, on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, it was pointed out that when you had those riots, I'm going to call them riots in Michigan, they stormed the state house and they were threatening to like lynch the governor. Um, they didn't send federal troops in. Uh, you know, none of those people, there were zero arrests, federal troops weren't sent in, and uh, he was questioned and it was brought up, you know, how come you didn't send them in at, in that instance, but you've been sending them into basically what were peaceful protests in Portland, and his response was just kind of like, I can do what I want, I don't understand the question, next, you know, eye roll. Since you talk about Barr, though, it's, you know, that um, that Jade Helm thing I was looking up in, the, in that just douchebag Texas congressperson, Gomer. Oh, yeah. And, and, but... You know, today they said he was diagnosed with COVID, and he was at that hearing, and he was like talking in the microphone, and there's footage of him walking out of the hearing with Barr talking to him, and I was like, when they talk about people having comorbidities and getting COVID and shit in the bed, yeah, you're like, like Barr is like, yeah, but have you noticed like, that literally it seems as though no one bad has died from COVID, like 150,000 people, and not one asshole yet. Like I was expecting at this point, like either one net, like Harvey Weinstein. Um, Joe Exotic, anybody, like any person that we would not be devastated to find out died from this thing, and not one of them. Like, they're all fine. It's bizarre to me, because look at how many Republican congressmen are over the age of 70, over the age of 80. So when this thing hit, I thought, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm like, well, we're definitely going to lose a couple of Republican congressmen because they're old, they're not wearing masks, they're not practicing safe social distancing, they're not, they're flying in the face of it. And none of them, like, a couple tested positive, but, like, for the most part, like, they're all fine. I just think, like, you know, the internet is so nuts because when I was younger, if you wanted to engage in some kind of conspiracy theory, like, you had to go find this, like, little weirdo bookstore and go in there and buy a magazine and go in your basement and read it. And now, because the internet, everyone believes this stuff. I mean, if the simplest thing to do would just be to wear a mask and socially distance, and they just refuse to do it, and it drives me freaking crazy because... It's always people will talk about they'll do anything for their country. And it's like, this is so simple. But here's the thing. They think they are doing something for their country. They think what they're doing for their country is perpetuating the myth that their president, who is saving their country, is doing a good job because there isn't any virus, because there's nothing to be afraid of, because everything's great. So people talk about how things get politicized, but they get politicized because if you look at the common goal as being we just need to keep this president in office then you suddenly have to start ignoring a shit like ton of stuff it's in it's insane and part of it is a pandemic so just off topic for one sec since you mentioned it so joe exotic his two husbands <laughs> the two husbands that were on the show did they both say later they were straight yes but we, uh yeah, okay uh the one who killed himself spoiler alert uh yes the other one um uh, oh yeah, sorry. Uh, one of the uh, so one of the ones that the one that killed himself said yes, he was straight. I believe the second one did as well. There was a third one that was definitely gay. Yeah. Okay. So he had one in three, which is not bad. I should mention that Joe Exotic is a gay hero because uh, not just getting one straight guy to marry you, but two is truly like gay monopoly. Like landed on boardwalk. Like it's just it's it's a chef's kiss. Thursday. Thursday. 
Uh, so, all right, so on Thursday, my 17-year-old son, Dan, drove alone for the first time. He had just gotten his license the week before. I'll tell you, the thing now, going for your license, and I don't know if it's because of COVID, but we went over, the driver's test was at the DMV in the parking lot, and they create this little weird U-turn that's like maybe this like a quarter of the size of a basketball court. It's really small. And in this little U-turn with all these barriers and barrels and stuff like that, you have to pull up and parallel park and stuff. So anyway, he gets his license, and he asks if he can uh, drive for the first time alone. Already? Already. So I said, sure. And I, he said, okay. And I said, where are you going? He said, well, I've been talking to this girl who lives in Attleboro. So I live in Cranston. So it's like 35, 40 minutes away with a lot of highway driving and stuff. So you just kind of like clench your teeth, and you let him go. Now, I've driven with him a bunch of times, and he did had to do like 40 hours of AAA training. And he's actually a really good driver. He drove up to Boston with me in the car, et cetera. But I think the thing that was driving me crazy is that when I was young and my brother was young, we got in so many accidents and ruined so many cars that that's all I could think about. My brother hit a bank one time, and it wasn't a bank that was, like, right along the side of the road and he swerved off. It was in, like, the parking lot, and he somehow hit it full blast. And I'll never forget him driving home. He had, like, this little Datsun, and one of the wheels was just completely under the car, and he drove for, like, a mile just dragging it along. Like this divot in the road in our driveway, him pulling in. Oh my god! The other thing about Rhode Island driving, and so my girlfriend lives in Boston, and she brought this up to me, and it's stuck with me ever since, and it's really true. Rhode Island has to be the capital of all the states for having cars on fire on the (laughs) side of the road. So Christine, in her travels here over the last like six plus years, probably a dozen times has seen cars off the side of the highway just in flames. She's mentioned that I've seen it like a bunch of times. I've seen like you know my friends who are in the band the Silks. They posted a picture of a van that was on fire. Engulf, so everyone, yeah. everyone sees uh, cars on the fire on, on fire on the side of the road in Rhode Island, and I don't know why that. Now, is. are you going to be that parent like to this day? My mother, if she drives by a car, the car could look nothing like my car. She will text all through me and my two brothers and be like, "Are you guys okay? I just drove Good. by any accident. Anyone with a flat tire, like." She's convinced it's us. Like, if it's a school bus on the side of the road, she's going to text me. Like, do you think you're going to be super nervous, or are you going to be like, no? The the only thing I did do was we downloaded that. There's a thing called Life360. One of my friends told me they did it with their kid, and you can track where the kid is and how fast they're going. Oh. So it's like, until you can implant a chip in their brain, (laughs) you can follow everywhere they're going in the car. How fast is the good one, though? Like, because where they're going is one thing, but, like, knowing how fast they're going, like, yeah. that's that's the good one. And, you know, it's funny, because if you're on the highway, like, I think the fastest he was going was maybe 75, but, like, people are driving 75, so, I, and, you know, it's funny, as I, I don't know what with your parents, but there was always sort of, like, the permissive parent and the yeah. uh, disciplinary. What was it like in your house? My step, so it was my mom and my stepdad, and my stepdad was definitely, like, the permissive one, and my mom was, like, my mom was the tough, like, you don't want my mom, you don't want to get in trouble with my mom. My stepdad is a very late, you know, he's, he's a big kid, um, but uh, my mom was the tough one, and I also got into quite a few accidents. Um, I think, I don't even know if I'm a good driver now, I just know that I've, I've done it so much that I seem to, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, what are they, um, like the strategic drivers where you've done it so much that now like I can like do a, a full point spin like in the middle of a road just from practice. But like I hit a garbage truck head on. <laughs> um, I uh, got into uh, an Wait, accident. was the garbage truck moving when you hit it? Uh, no. So I was literally driving to college to take uh, a midterm 
and there were two garbage trucks, one after the other, and I do not remember this, but apparently I swerved around one of the garbage trucks and hit the other one head on. And um, when they, I had no injuries because I always drove big cars. God, my grandmother, rest in peace, she turned me on to a love of big cars. So I always drove Buick Centuries. Well, you can, you can really put a Buick Century through the ringer. And when I went to the hospital, I only had like a scratch on me, nothing much. And the doctor said, um, we'll look at you in a second. We're waiting for this kid to come in. He's probably been beheaded because he hit a garbage truck head on. And my mom just like looked at me and we looked at each other and I was like, oh my goodness. So um, I, I'm on my like ninth life when it comes to, to cars and driving. I just did. But it wasn't speed. I wasn't ever joyriding. I just, I was like a, I still am kind of like a daydreamer. And I would just go onto autopilot. And if something was... I think the last accident I got into was I was driving through a bank parking lot and I always go to this bank and they put a pole in the middle of the parking lot. Don't ask me why, but there was never a pole and suddenly there's a pole. Now it was a big pole and I should have seen the pole, but the pole had never been there and I hit the pole head on. I went right into it. It wasn't like, you know, up in the air. It was like about car length high, but I went right into it. I commend you because people will rarely admit they're a bad driver. Oh, I'm a horrible people driver. People will admit, like, I'll admit I'm terrible with numbers. I can't do this. I can't See, do the thing is, if I admit I'm a horrible driver, which I am, you will think I'm not that bad if you ever <laughs> drive with me. But if I tell you I'm a good driver, if you tell someone you're a good driver, you have set the bar so high that you can never make a mistake. I like... Friday! Okay, so by the time you're listening to this, this might have already happened, but... Uh, it's very exciting. Joe Biden has announced that he is finally going to announce his VP pick. Now, one thing that's interesting about this is that Joe Biden had already committed to picking a woman regardless, uh, regardless of who he picked. As uh, the Black Lives Matter movement started um, becoming more and more prevalent in June, there was also a call for him to pick a black woman or just uh, uh, a woman who wasn't white. And then as we were getting more into July, it seemed like Elizabeth Warren was kind of back in the game. Uh, interestingly enough, Amy Klobuchar, known for uh, making interns clean off her salad fork uh, slash comb, um, she had backed out because she said she thought that it should be a black woman uh, pick for the VP, which made Kamala Harris look really good. It made Susan Rice look really good. Um, at one point, Tammy Duckworth was in the discussion. Uh, so there were a lot of people who were still up in the air. I can't say at this moment that there is sort of a definite front runner, and I feel like usually the VP pick is a huge surprise for me. But uh, what do you think, Brett? Well, I think first I think Klobuchar is really funny saying that she was withdrawing because that's like yeah, that's like you can't fire me, I quit. Yeah, like, that's like oh honey, saying, like, I withdraw my name to be Selma Hayek's boyfriend. Yeah, because keep in mind that like Klobuchar was also like saying this as Minneapolis was in the throes of the protests and like the epicenter because of George Floyd, where she had failed to prosecute one of the cops that had been involved in that. So she was already looking bad, you know. What do you feel about like that kind of like I don't want to call it ambush journalism, but someone like Klobuchar? Like I just don't see those stories about men. Like, can you yeah. imagine just... Here's the thing. I liked Amy Klobuchar. I will say I liked Amy Klobuchar a lot. I had no problem with her forcing, eating a salad with a comb and then forcing the intern to clean it off. I had no sympathy for that intern. If you can't find a fucking fork in an airport, then you deserve to get your head ripped off, spewed into... I mean, I assume every boss I gonna, I'm working for is going to be Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada. Like, I do not expect my boss to be nice to me at all. I just need them to pay me. So I, I had a lot of sympathy. My issue with her... And my issue with a lot is that I am not a big Joe Biden fan. I will vote for Joe Biden. I'm not crazy, but I'm not a big fan. 
And if you all remember early in the year, he was doing quite badly. And um, he won uh, North Carolina, which everyone expected him to win. And then all of a sudden, Klobuchar and Buttigieg, whatever, they all like rallied around him and they kind of got him up into the front runner position. Um, but I will not forgive Amy Klobuchar for that. I feel like this, the, the thing that they all should have done if they were going to push for someone was push for Elizabeth Warren because I think Biden has... I feel about Biden the way other people felt about Hillary Clinton. I think there is tons of baggage. I'm sure there's skeletons in the closet galore. And I'm sure October 1st, we're just going to find out all kinds of shit that we had, we don't know about just yet. I don't know if you're going to learn anything about him. I, I'm not a fan of like centrist corporate Democrats. Yeah. So like Klobuchar, Biden, Buttigieg, like I just, they drive me crazy. I was a big and, Warren person. I loved Elizabeth, um, I loved Elizabeth Warren. Choice. And I think that like, you know, the same way that, you know, was she doing well? Not really. But was Biden doing well? No. So when they all rallied around someone, I felt like it was just as reasonable to rally around Warren. My thing about Elizabeth Warren is that I'm like, that woman has never gotten a parking ticket in her life. The only thing the right can throw at her is the, um, you know, the she said she was Native American, she wasn't, which she's apologized a kajillion times for. Um, and so I thought she's the pick. And even, you know, I've, I've had issues with Bernie Sanders, but he's another one. I look at Bernie Sanders and I say, you know, if they had anything on him, we would already know about it, which means they don't have anything on him. And I think even though it shouldn't be about what they can get you on, we've seen that happen. We've seen that if there's anything you've done wrong ever, they're going to use it against you and they're going to, you know, it's going to have an effect on those swing voters. So the only thing I wanted to say was this, though. So in, in modern history, you know, who, who are widely regarded as the worst VP picks? Oh, my God. Dan Quayle misspelling Dan Quayle potato. And Palin. Uh, the, so the Palin. I, I, yep. I literally, my, I am so brain dead that I, before you came over here to record this, I had to Google Dan Quayle if he actually served as VP. I couldn't even remember. Yep. Because I couldn't. I, I mean, Cheney is Cheney is a maniacal. No, he's yeah. awful. Yeah. But like just being kind of inept, you know yeah. what I mean? And so Quayle was notably pretty inept, and it didn't matter at all that he was pretty inept. I don't think there's ever been a VP who has either dragged someone across the finish line or negatively. Well, and that's the interesting thing about what where we are right now, because Biden, let's be real, there is a very good chance he's going to be a one-term president, even if he's the most beloved president in history. You know, he would be very old by the time the term is done. So a lot of people are looking at his pick as the person that might end up running in 2024, uh, you know, not as an incumbent, but as the incumbent VP. Um, and so I think that's why so many people are watching this race, because I think more than ever, the person he's talking about picking is probably going to have to be prepared to start campaigning to be president in like two years. All right. So before we wrap up Friday, so who do you think it's going to be? I think I think it. Um, uh, like I said, I'm always surprised. If it were me, it would be Kamala Harris. Yeah, it would be Kamala Harris if it was me. I think it'll probably be her too, because I think at least she has some. I think Susan her. Rice has a chance. I think Susan Rice might have a chance only because if Biden turns out to be the kind of president who doesn't want to be overshadowed by his vice president, or if he's still a little bitter that Harris kind of took a jab at him during that debate, it would be smart to pull someone who does not currently serving in the U.S. government so that you don't have to think about replacing them, running a different person in their seat. Um, that would be a smart pick, I think, to do that. So you think that Biden will use the word malarkey in the debate? A hundred and twenty. If we have debates, if we have debates, I'm sure he will. Saturday. I just want to note that uh, the guy across the street who's kind of like from Sons of Anarchy, I asked him to not rev his motorcycle 
while we were recording and he obliged for about 45 minutes and then he jumped in. He revved like, once, so yeah. we don't know if he's going to rev again. He might. He's so a, he could Saturday's rev again. Saturday's just sort of a free-for-all. We can talk about anything we want to talk about. So I did want to talk about something that you and I talked about offline, which was the idea of being shirtless. I saw that you said <laughs> that you went to the beach and you only go to the beach once every summer. I go to the beach. Like, I hate the beach. I, I think there are beach people and I think there are pool people and I am a pool person. I don't know why anyone would go in the ocean. I am one of those like fish poop in the ocean people. I don't want to go in there. I'm assuming humans do as well. I I hate everything about it. I hate the sand. I hate the crowds. I hate the parking. Like I hate it. Where, where, what beach did you go to? Well, I had a nice, I just had a nice experience. My friend took me, my friend lives in Narragansett. We went to Scarborough Beach um, and there were a lot of hot, a lot of hot dads, by the way. Had no idea. So many DILFs on Scarborough Beach. And like being a gay guy who was not always around lots of straight shirtless men, I had to remind myself like, these are all straight people. Don't stare at them. Um, but then I think like maybe if you're a dad and you're like a bit older and like a, a, a gay guy's like looking at you, like maybe you're like, oh, thanks gay guy. Like maybe, maybe you appreciate that. I don't I'll know. Say, I was at a beach over the last weekend in Duxbury, Mass, which is sort of an affluent like seaside community. And it, it actually bothered me. Everyone on the beach was super fit looking. They were also like Stepford wives and Stepford husbands. But sixty-year-old men, seven-year-old men, abs. Oh my god, super, that's offensive. That's awful. rude. It was so awful, and that was, I, you know, I, I, I left the beach and I said to my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm getting in shape because all these people have abs. And then the next morning, I ate applesauce. <laughs> I saw that you said so, that. Yeah, that didn't. Really but work. you have a very like you can't see, um, Brett, but you can look up his picture. You have a very like young face, and I always feel like face is such a big thing for me because. When I was sort of, I came out when I was 17 and I started going to gay clubs when I was in college and there would always be like the 50 year old guy who in his youth was clearly 90 pounds soaking wet and just like lived off being skinny, who then like becomes a muscle daddy, but he's also like drank and smoked and done drugs. And so the face is just gone. Like it's the worst face you've ever seen in your life. I'm like the most amazing body. And uh, I always was like, and so looking at that, I was always like, I will happily be out of shape. Just let me keep something resembling a decent face for the rest of my life. Because if you think about like celebrities, like think about Paul Newman, like that man died with a gorgeous face. Yeah. Like he was handsome till the end because he had a nice face. Um, what do you think about one of my favorite celebrities is Mickey Rourke. And he's oof, the not a good face. It's like he doesn't even, he looks like a he looks like he's always recovering from the plastic sur I mean, poor thing. I feel bad. He threatened to... Did you hear he threatened, threatened to like beat up Robert De Niro? Right, he apparently awesome. hates Robert De Niro. Mickey Rourke on Instagram is just a treasure. Just I didn't know Mickey Rourke Bob. was on Instagram. Let me it's, tell you, that's the best 2020 it's discovery. Best. It's unbelievable. Because with those big fingers of his, I can't picture him like <laughs> typing the captions. So I will tell you like a beach story very quickly. So I'm not like a huge beach person, but um, when I was in... After I graduated from college, I went uh, and traveled Europe for a couple months with a bunch of guys. So one of the places we went to was Greece. And back then, everyone had the book, Let's Go Europe, because there was literally no internet at that time. You didn't have cell phone or anything. So there was a book called Let's Go Europe. And all the Americans, a lot of them just sort of traveled the same route. So when I was in England, I met this girl. And her name was, this was her name. I swear to God, she was from Waco, Texas. She was like a six-foot-tall redhead. And her name was Linda Lou Gorman. Oh, my God. And so I hooked up with Linda Lou in England. And then I kept running into her subsequently in different states, I mean, different countries. So we made plans to go to Greece at the same time. We were up at this island called Corfu, and there was this place called the Pink Palace where it was like 25 bucks to stay for a day. You got breakfast and dinner, 
and we just drink all day. So this was back when I was drinking. So very quick story about why I don't drink anymore. So we're on the beach in Corfu. It's nighttime. They would always do a bonfire. So I decided at night, sitting by the bonfire, hammered that I was going to go swimming in the ocean. I was going to go skinny dipping. So I dropped my clothes, and I ran into the ocean. I didn't have my contact lenses in. I could not see a thing, and I was stinking drunk. So I go and I swim way out, just like the opening scene in Jaws. <laughs> and you know when you go in the water and you just start to like drift, so you don't come in, you don't come out of the water where you went in. Yeah. So I swim way out. Oh no. I, I, I come in and I can't see anything. I can't even see the bonfire. So when I come in, I don't know if I'm supposed to go right or go left. It's it's a very uh, there's a big moon that night, so the beach is very illuminated, and I don't know which way to go. So I just start walking down the beach with no clothes on. And there's all these like couples like walking on the beach, and there's this oh. drunken nude idiot uh. walking down the beach like this, like squinting, trying to find the bonfire in Lindley Borman from Waco, Texas. So I'm walking, and I see a small house that had a clothesline on it, and there was something hanging on the clothesline. And I was like, whatever that is, I'm taking it and I'm covering up with it. So I went up there, and it was a face glove. Oh, it was no. like six inches by six inches. So I covered myself up walking down the beach and I finally ran into Linda Lee Borman with like a face like, cloth and she was like she had sent people into the water diving oh no she had thought I drowned so that's a little beach story it's also a story of why I quit drinking when I was oh my too. god I only ever fooled around on the beach once and similar to what you realized I had no idea that at night it is it can be pitch black like if the moon is not there you're, you're literally in pitch darkness and you can see something resembling water and uh, I, uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, everyone should do something on a beach once in their life. And so me and this guy did some stuff on a beach. And then later on was when that big story came out about that couple who like had sex on a beach and got like arrested and you have to go on a sex offender list. And um, I never forgot being like, oh my God, I could have been on like a sex offender list for having sex. Like what a heart, like not that there's ever a good way to go on a sex offender list, but like, you know, it's like, what a, like. I had no idea that was even a thing. Like, I thought it was, like, the 1950s where the sheriff would just be like, move along, kids, you know? Like, I didn't know you actually, like, that was a crime. All right, we're done here for today, but make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to hear more of the podcast and come back next week to hear more about every damn day.